Church Unlimited is partnering with organizations and local churches to provide relief and plan for the recovery and restoration of communities directly impacted by Hurricane Harvey. In the two weeks since the devastating landfall, Church Unlimited has mobilized thousands of volunteers, served 23,000 meals, and worked on rebuilding hundreds of homes. Thank you for showing the world what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Welcome. Great to have you here today. Thanks so much for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. I'd also like to give it up for our God Behind Bars guys. We love you guys. You know, our, uh, I'm so proud of our God Behind Bars guys. Pastor Nick is doing a great job with that. In fact, you know, we've now opened our third prison campus in the Garza East unit. Yeah, it's great. They reached out to us. They are completely out of chairs. Not a single chair left for people, so we're having to buy 150 more chairs for Garza East. This is great. So, I mean, I think my sermons are so good, people break the law to hear them, I'm saying. <laughs> Anyways, no, I'm so happy, though, that we have people coming. It's really exciting. Actually, I would say God is so good. God is moving so powerfully that people are even hearing about God behind bars. How great is that? So we're excited about that. So it's good stuff. Hey, pull out your notes if you would. Today, I want to talk about something I think affects everybody. What do you do when you're just overwhelmed? I think everyone hits a point in their life where they just get so overwhelmed that you just don't know where to begin. Maybe for you, you already had a lot on your plate, then a storm happens, right? Then it tears up your home, now you're having to rebuild, and you've got all these other problems, right? Or, or maybe it has nothing to do with that. Maybe you don't need a storm to overwhelm you. You just got to walk in your office and look at your desk and you become overwhelmed, right? Maybe you just have so much going on that you just, you're emotionally spent from what's happened to you or what someone did to you, and then you've got all this other stuff you've got to deal with, and you just want to shut down. I think it's a common response. Sometimes you just don't even want to get out of bed anymore. I mean, I'm just, just the other day, I was like, I did not want to get out of bed. My, my wife's like, you have to get out of bed. I'm like, why? She said, it's Sunday. You're the pastor. I'm like, fine. <laughs> Sometimes you just are worn out though, right? I mean, you just don't know what to do. You just get so worn down and you just become overwhelmed. What do you do when you're overwhelmed? There's a guy in the Bible that we don't think of him this way because we think of all the great success he had later in life, but he was clearly overwhelmed on multiple occasions. He had incidents and events happen in his life that one of these events would have shut us down. And he had event after event, moment after moment. I mean, tragedy after crisis, after crisis, after crisis, happened over and over again, and yet he stayed faithful to God. He still was effective in what he did. He still used his gifts for the Lord. It was like, man, this guy could just not be stopped. What was it about him that he did when he was overwhelmed, that's different than most people. Let's talk about that. We're going to look at Joseph today. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 39. And I'm going to try to sort of summarize his story. There's so much here I could do a whole series on it, and I have before. But I just want to take and just really focus on how he handled and how he responded to difficulties. Because I think that really is a key to how we can overcome what to do when we're overwhelmed. How do you respond in those situations really is a big deal. The key to success for Joseph was in how he responded to trials, how he responded to difficulties. So let me just catch you up in the story before we dive in. Here's what's going on. Joseph is the favorite of all, his brother, of, of all his brothers. His daddy liked him more than all the other brothers. Now, we're not recommending that, but that's just what happened. And so he was the favorite kid. 
problem with that is all the brothers hated him because of it, okay? And so the oldest brother, Judah, was supposed to take over the ranch one day, and everyone, he was supposed to be the man, but Joseph was the one who got all the time with daddy, and everyone knew it, and it really bothered him, and he gives him a special coat. He was, he only, there was only one of them. It was members only. He was the only member. I mean, it was like, what's the deal, right? He had the coat of many colors. Maybe you've heard of that story, right? This is Joseph, okay? He had this special coat. His brothers hate him all the more because of that. Then Joseph has a dream one day, and he dreams, this is for real, he dreams that his wheat, this is kind of, because they were wheat farmers, he dreamed that his wheat rose above all his brother's wheat. Well, that's fine and dandy. That basically means that, you know, he dreamed that one day he would be a great leader and even lead his brothers. That's fine, but you don't tell your brothers that, right? So he didn't understand that what you think has to run through the marketing department before it comes out of your mouth, right? He didn't realize that you can't just say it. So he goes to his brothers one day, hey, I had a dream. What was your dream? I had dreamed that I was a leader over all of you. They're like, oh, great, Joseph. That's not what they wanted to hear. They're like, seriously? He's like, yeah, it's so cool. You guys all bowed down to me. You're like, yeah, we don't think that's cool, Joseph. And so it made him even more mad. They already didn't like him with his little special jacket and relationship with daddy and all that. Then I'd add to that the fact that you're telling me that you think it's wonderful. You have a dream that you're going to lead all of us. And so they hated him. So one day they concocted this plan that when Joseph came to, to spy on them, to hunt him down, see what they were doing, they grabbed him and they thought about killing him. They threw him in a pit. They threw him, it, it was basically a, a dry well, threw him in the dry well to buy them some time to figure out what they were going to do with him. Okay? So then they got together and they're like, okay, what do we do? I think we should kill him. I don't think we should kill him. I think we should do this. I'm sure there was lots of ideas, but then one of the brothers said, you know, let's not kill him because we'll feel guilty. Let's just sell him into slavery. Oh, that's so much nicer. You know what I mean? So that's what they decided to do. Let's just sell him into slavery. Now, by the way, I want to point out something about Joseph. Joseph was a precursor to Christ. Here's what I mean by that. Joseph, and another example of this would be Moses. Both of these guys were basically examples of a savior. Okay? And so it's foreshadowing for Jesus coming. Okay? Joseph was thrown into a pit. Jesus died and was buried right? And then he resurrected. Joseph came out of the pit, and that's when his really, really, his life and ministry really began was when he went off to Egypt. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but, but also when Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery, they sold him for some silver. Jesus was betrayed also for silver by Judas. And so you see the, the, the parallels here, okay? So now Joseph, his brothers basically said, okay, let's not kill him. Let's take his jacket, rip it up, dip it in some animal's blood, take it to daddy and say, dad, I'm really sorry. Joseph's body was never found, but we found this. It looks like he was killed by an animal. So that's the lie they told, right? And then, then they sold Joseph into slavery, got some cash for it, got some silver for it, sold him into slavery. The, the, the marauders who came, the, the guys who traveled around taking people and selling them, they, they picked up Joseph and took him to Egypt. I guess that was part of the deal. Like, like you can sell him wherever, just make sure it's way away from here. Okay, you got it. So they sold him in Egypt. When he's sold in Egypt, he is bought. He's purchased now. Now he's someone's property by a guy named Potiphar. Potiphar worked directly for the king. Potiphar was a really mean guy, tough guy, okay? He was basically like the, like the Tony Soprano for the king, right? The king would be like, I don't like the guy. Potiphar would be like, forget about it. You know what I mean? He'd take care of it. That's what he did, okay? And so he was really tough, right? So he, he, he buys Joseph. doesn't hire him. Don't confuse that. Joseph's not working for him like it's a job. He is his slave. Okay, so I just want you to imagine for a second. All of your life is in front of you. You're, young, you're a young man that's favored by your daddy, okay? That means you get the best education, you get the best clothes, you get the best everything. You go from that to being beat up by your brothers, thinking you're going to die, sold into slavery. Now you're in a foreign land. Just, just imagine someone, your brother and sister that you love and trust comes along, throws a coat over your face, knocks you out, throws you in a van, you wake up 72 hours later in Thailand. That's what happened to Joseph. I'm just trying to give you a picture. He was literally human trafficked. So now he wakes up in a foreign country in Egypt. He doesn't know the language, doesn't have the right clothing, his haircut doesn't match. I mean, they're like, who is this guy? Obviously, you're not from here. 
they, they, they buy him. He has no idea what they're saying. He just hears some kind of exchange going on and realizes, I think they're talking about me. And they're grabbing my hands and look, checking on my body. What are they doing right now? And I realize I'm property. So now he's taken into Potiphar's home, get him a fresh haircut, and he's a match Egypt, get him some fresh clothes. Now all of a sudden he realizes his little outfit matches everyone else's a slave around him. And then they hand him a broom, go to work, clean this room. Okay. So now, I mean, now at this point, let's be honest, what would you do? Well, I'd be like, excuse me, can we get an interpreter real quick? This is a big misunderstanding. I can explain the whole thing. No, that's not what happens here. They don't care. You're a property now. We don't care what your story is. And so Joseph realized his story was going to get him nowhere. And I don't mean this to be ugly, but I want to help you with something right now. Maybe you've really been done wrong too. And can I tell you something right now, no matter how hurt you are, your story's not going to get you anywhere either. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm trying to help you. The truth is, nobody in the world today wants to hear your story because everyone's got a sad story. And so if you keep focusing on the story you're telling, you're missing the story God wants to tell through you. Keep, you keep talking about the story, the sad story that happened to you rather than focusing on what God wants to do through you. You're missing your future. So Joseph didn't do that. He didn't get up and say, oh, let me tell you my story. I'm sure he probably tried, but, but he, that wasn't going anywhere. So finally he realized, you know, the best thing I can do is just to work hard. The way I can get the attention of my boss is just to work hard. It's just to do what I'm asked, right? So what does he do that's different than most people? He doesn't launch into his story. He doesn't say, you know, this is all wrong. I can't believe this happened to me. You know, I need to call a lawyer. He doesn't do any of that. What does he do? Look at Genesis 39 too. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Joseph just started serving. He started making an impact immediately. Look at verse 5. The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Potiphar's biggest problem now was, am I going to have a burger or a pizza tonight? That was his biggest struggle. Because Joseph took care of everything. Would you write this down? What do you do when you're overwhelmed? Here's the first thing you do. Number one, you focus on serving. You simply meet people's needs. When you don't know what to do, you just simply start meeting people's needs. You say, man, I need to turn my whole career around. No, you don't. You need to go to your boss and say, what can I do for you? And you just do it. The first thing your boss is going to say, how about your job? That'd be great. Start there. Oh, okay, right? Do what you're told already and then add to it. And so what does Joseph do? He realizes in the world he's now in, that he's been thrust in, the only thing that gains points in, in the world you're in if you're a slave is to be a good one. So that pretty much applies to every job, by the way. Everybody wants authority, wants influence in their life. The only way you're going to have authority or influence is just be good at what you do. And if you're good at what you do, it'll create a platform. And so then you can have authority, then you can have influence. And so Joseph realized, I just need to start serving others and start making a difference. I want to read a letter real quick. This came into the church uh, to, to, our, to our, our server, someone emailed us this. This is about uh, one of our pastors and teams that's been serving those who've been affected by the hurricane. This is to Pastor Rusty. Rusty, uh, is our, Rusty Mason is our campus pastor in Padre Island. Really proud of him. We call him Coach because he coached for years. It says, Dear Pastor Rusty, Words cannot express the heartfelt appreciation I have for all the members of Church Unlimited who unselfishly provided post-hurricane Harvey relief to my friends and neighbors in Port Aransas. My home may have, not, uh, may have been flooded with salt water, but I was emotionally drowning in shock and overwhelmed by the devastating destruction in Port Aransas. Your assistance, supplies, food, prayers, and encouragement helped those affected by Hurricane Harvey uh, from moving, sorry, move from being victims of a horrible earthly disaster to being the victors God has created us to be. You dispatched a team of God's workers to clean debris from 
all around my yard, straighten my fallen fence, and lift my downed palm trees. Simultaneously, your healing ministry also cleaned out the thoughts of despair from my mind, strengthened my spirit, and lifted my downcast face. I was alone mucking out the ocean from my waterlogged house without electricity or water and sometimes feeling isolated. Visits to the Church Unlimited tent provided me with companionship, smiling faces, and the love you so freely offered to me. Your team of your team of volunteers are amazing. I especially would like to recognize Maddie Haas, Eric Solis, John Haas, Avery Bell, Michael Churchman, and Tristan and Hunter Pedes. You provided spiritual support to every soul who walked up to the tent, listening patiently to all their personal sad stories of loss and held their hands to comfort them. You make me so proud to be a member of Church Unlimited Padre Island. You have saved my soul, taught me to live by God's word, and accepted me into the Church Unlimited family. Isn't that amazing? Wow. There is... There is story after story like that because of you. I'm getting way too much credit, honestly. People can say, oh, man, you guys are awesome. And I have to say, that's our people. It's you. You guys are incredible. 3,500, over 3,500 of you have gone and served, and that means literally going in people's homes, moving debris, clearing trees, just helping them put their lives back together. That is a lot of people. That's a lot of service, guys. I'm really proud of this church. It's incredible. Serving is the impact you can make immediately. And you know what? It doesn't require talent. Don't give me the whole, well, I'm not talented at that. You don't have to be talented to move stuff. That doesn't require talent just to help out, just to encourage someone. You can make a huge impact just by saying, I'm going to start serving. Oh, I need to turn my marriage around, Pastor. I can't think about serving. Go home and serve your spouse. That would help. That will help, right? Serve your spouse. Serve someone. Meet a need. Someone's crying out for a need, right? Here's the truth. It's okay. Here's the reality. We all have someone we can serve. God has called all of us to help someone out, to make an impact. Does that make sense? And so who has God put right in front of you? You keep saying, why is this happening to me? And God says, quit focusing on the why, start focusing on the who. Who's in front of you that you can serve right now, that you can help out? By the way, can we give it up for our great children's ministry here that we do have? Aren't we grateful for them? She has someone to take that child, praise God. I love that. Thank God for our children's ministry. Mike, you don't want to know what church would be like without them, right? You do not want to know how many babies we'd have in here right now. So, The reality is, though, is that someone's serving you, you have an opportunity to serve someone else as well. Listen, quit saying, oh, Lord, just turn my career around. Just go start serving people. That's all you have to do. It's not complicated. It's as simple as just making an impact in someone's life. Don't overcomplicate what you need to do next. The reason we become overwhelmed is because you're trying to create this giant plan. You don't need a giant plan. Start with a day. Serve someone. Help someone out. Make a difference. If you begin to do that, then God will unfold the next steps for you along the way. Now, here's the problem. Joseph starts serving. He, he's, he, he just says, okay, I can't control all this. I'm just going to serve. I'm just going to help out. And he does so well, eventually Potiphar comes and says, hey, who, who cleaned up this area? And they go, well, that's a new kid. What's his name? Joseph. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, have him go do the back room. This looks really good. So Joseph goes to the back room. He goes to see the back room. He's like, wow, this looks amazing. He's like, man, my whole house looks good. Who's doing all this? Joseph, he organized the whole thing. Wow. Hey, are you jo- come here, Joseph. I got this business out back, this livestock business. You ever worked with that? He goes, yes, sir. I used to help my dad with that. Really? Could you maybe come take a look at that? Yes, absolutely. So now he turns his business around. He turns his whole household and his whole business around. That's what Joseph does. Here's the problem Joseph has. So he does all this, and his boss loves him. The problem was, the scripture tells that Joseph had a problem. He was well-built and good-looking. I've had that problem my whole life. <laughs> so what do you do? <laughs> so Joseph, here's the problem with that. He's working, he's cleaning all this stuff up, but then Potiphar has a wife, 
And she's somewhat of a cougar, right? She sees him and she's like, I want some Joseph. <laughs> so she just locks in on him, you know, and he's good looking. Everything he does, he just looks good. I mean, when he's cleaning, he's just cleaning. He's just like, hey, what's up? <laughs> just everything he does, and just mowing the lawn. So. <laughs> he just always looks good. Again, the problem I've had my whole life. I mean, I just, so difficult. Anyways, so everywhere he went, Potiphar's wife, or we'll just call her Hotifer, Hotifer would see him, and she wanted Joseph. So finally, one day, I mean, I mean, it got so bad, he finally, he said, I can't do this. He actually told her, he said, look, stop. This is not going to happen. I'm sorry. Just, just stop, okay? It's not going to happen because your husband, the guy you should be sleeping with, not me, um, he trusts you, and he also trusts me with his whole household, and so I can't do this, and I also can't do this to my God. So he really toes the line. I mean, he's a great example of someone who, in the face of temptation, says, no, this is not right. I'm not going to do this. It's going to offend God. It's going to offend your husband. It should offend you. We're not doing this. Quit, quit making advances. I mean, I'm not doing this. It's not going to happen, right? So he avoids her. One day, finally, she just, I mean, she was locked on him. That's all she wanted. She literally jumps in him. I can only imagine what she's doing, right? But she is literally all over him, trying to get her freak on, okay? Don't Google that. But anyways... She's trying to do whatever, and he is trying to escape her, and literally he takes his shirt off. He literally removes his shirt just to get away from her, right? And because she's grabs a hold of the shirt, and he's like, you can have the shirt, but you can't have me. So he runs out, shirtless. She's holding the shirt, and now she shifts gears, and now she's embarrassed, angry, who knows what, but the girl's crazy, obviously. She just starts screaming. All these people run in, and she goes, it's Joseph. He tried to rape me. I mean, talk about unfair. This is unbelievable. He is he is. On, he, he shouldn't even be a slave. He shouldn't even be in this country. And he just toes the line and just does what he's told and organizes everything, turns this guy's whole family around, turns the business around, turns the whole ranch around, and now he's accused of being raped. Has this ever happened to you where you're trying to do good for someone and then they just hurt you in the process? You're like, I am trying to help you, and you do this to me? Has, has anyone else ever had something like this to where you're, you're trying to do good and then you, you're being accused of things and you're like, I'm just trying to help. This doesn't make sense. So he goes from doing well, serving others, to being accused of rape. Now, let me ask you something. In the society where they believe slavery is okay, which obviously is jacked up, we all admit that, do you think they're going to listen to the voice of the free person or the slave person? So clearly, when he says, I wasn't raped, it's a he said, she said, she's like, he tried to rape me. And he's like, no, I did not. I did nothing with that woman. And she, yes, he did. They're going to believe her. And so they throw him into prison. I mean, this is unbelievable. It goes from bad to worse. First of all, he's a slave when he shouldn't be. Now he's an accused convict slave in prison. I mean, this is going from bad to worse. And oftentimes, by the way, the key to God advancing you is by demotion, not promotion. The key with God to going up is always down. The last will be first. It's total opposite of the way we think. And so Joseph thinks, this can't get any worse, and then it just did, and now he's going to prison. And so look what it says in verse 19 of chapter 39. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story. He took Joseph and threw him into, not just prison, the king's prison, and there he remained. Now, this is important. Why is it such a big deal that he goes into the king's prison? Because it wasn't just regular prison. It was the king's prison. This is where kings, just to, to take away the confusion, let's just call a king what it would be called today, a dictator, okay? This would be like, you know, whoever, you know, North Korea, uh, pick, pick the dictator you want, okay? This would be like one of, those, one of those dictators. And so they all have prisons where they just, like, if you break the law, you go to certain prisons. But then they have, like, personal prisons, like, I'm just mad at you, don't like you, want to teach you a lesson, you're going to go to prison, my prison. So this is the king's prison. It's below the castle. And so what was God actually doing? Was God really trying to 
allow Joseph to be accused of rape, you know, falsely, and, and for his name to be smeared. I mean, was that really what this is about? No. This is about God repositioning Joseph closer to power. So he ends up in the king's prison. And so when you are treated unfairly in waves and it doesn't make sense to you, at some point you need to stop and realize, okay, this doesn't make sense and I can either bemoan how unfair life is or recognize that this is not about that. This is God repositioning me. This is God repositioning. It's not fair that they left me. Oh, that's God repositioning your relationships. You just haven't seen how it's unfolded yet. But give it time. Mr. and Mrs. Hurtful has left you so that Mr. and Mrs. Wright can come to you. So God's repositioning you, Right? So you were fired from that job unfairly. You were laid off unfairly. God's repositioning you to start your business or to step into a new industry or to step into a new job. God's repositioning you. Does that make sense? So Joseph didn't focus on what was happening in the moment. He realized there must be a God who loves me. There must be a God who's going to take care of this. I'm sure he was lonely. I'm sure he was broken. I'm sure he was hurt. But at some point, Joseph continued to respond right, which means he must have trusted the Lord. And so what happens now? But before we go any further, I want to say this. This is really important. Please write this down. What Joseph does here is really important. Number two, don't let injustice infect you. Now, notice I didn't say don't let injustice happen to you. Injustice will happen to you. If it hasn't happened yet, give it time. If you're living long enough, someone's going to treat you unfairly. Something's going to happen to you that is not right and not fair, and you'll have no control over it. And when that happens, you can't control it, so therefore, you can only do what you can do, right? So you can't control what someone did to you, but you can control how you respond to it. So Joseph may have been treated unfairly, but he does not let unfairness infect him. For example, look what happens next to Joseph when he's in the prison. What Joseph doesn't do in the prison is as important as what he does do. He doesn't show up with the warden when the warden says, hey, get up, you you get your clothes on, we got to go out to the yard, whatever they're doing in the prison, you know. And so Joseph doesn't say, hey, I need to tell you my story. I was, you know, I was a free guy living in Israel, and then my brothers got mad at me. And he doesn't share that story. He doesn't lead with that. He says to the warden, hey, how can I help you? Same thing he did with Potiphar. Instead of leading with the story of how broken I am and this is so wrong and people treat me wrong and he doesn't tell the prison, doesn't tell the warden, you're not going to believe this and so then I shouldn't even be a slave but I decided to go ahead and play along and clean everything up and turn this guy's business around and his wife who's crazy as a loon is all over me and I try to avoid her and she kills like raper and now here I am. He doesn't do that. He says, how can I help you? Wow. It's brilliant. He realizes that no one cares. No one cares about your story of, sad, of sadness. How can you help me now? Everyone is tuned into the same radio stations. It's on your forehead. I can see it right now. It's on mine too. It says W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? Everyone's tuned into the same station. So the warden would be like, yeah, I don't care about your story. You want to hear my story? I shouldn't be a warden. I was supposed to be in this job and they put me here and I can't believe it. Everyone's got a story like that. Some stories are worse than others. But the truth is all of us have unfairness happens in our life. And, And you may say, Pastor Bill, you're not showing any compassion to me. No, I am showing compassion because the people who sit around go, oh, I'm so sorry. How's that helping you? At some point, someone has come along and say, yes, it was unfair. It was wrong. It shouldn't have happened to you. Now move forward. Let God do something with your life from this point forward. Don't stay broken. You are not a victim any longer. You are a victor in Christ. It's time to stand up and do what God told you to do. It's time to move forward. I'm not making light of your pain. I'm not saying it's not legit. I'm not saying it's invalid what happened to you and how much it hurts. I'm saying... All of us have stories, and they're true, and they've happened to us. And we can either park on those and miss our future or recognize there's still a God who loves me. I'm going to get up, I'm going to get moving again and use my gifts. We have to become who God called us to be, even when bad stuff happens. 
So I want to challenge you, don't let injustice infect you. People will hurt you. It will be unfair. Things happen to people. It's true. Don't let it infect your soul. It already happened to you. Listen, they already hurt you once. Why do you let them keep hurting you again and again by reliving it over and over and over in your mind? And then you keep telling the story to everybody as well. I want to encourage you, put the story away. Well, you see, I was divorced seven years ago. That was seven years ago. Quit calling yourself divorced. You're now single. Call yourself single. Sounds better. <laughs> right? Or if you really want to prove it, just say, I'm pre-married. That's even better. <laughs> the point is, is that we need to move forward in our life. God has something new for us, right? He didn't show up and say, man, I've been through all this. You're not going to believe it, right? What does he do instead? Check it out. It says in Genesis 39, 21, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. The Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. You know, I'm talking to guys in prison right now. Who said your life is done? You can have a great life in prison. Joseph did. Joseph improved his lot. Now, I know you want to be free. I get that. I would want to be free too. But don't think that God's not working with you just because you're behind bars. God is just as much behind bars as he is out here. God is with you. He's with you. He really is. Joseph became a favorite with the prison warden. My prayer is that all those guys behind bars campuses become the favorites of the entire prison. That everyone says, wow, this prison is actually great because of these guys. That's the way it should be. They became a favorite. Would you underline the word favorite? It says, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. That sounds like what happened in Potiphar's house. Potiphar didn't have to worry about anything. The prison warden doesn't have to worry about anything. Why? Joseph's got it. He's taking care of everything. Joseph just handled everything. What does this tell you and me today? Number three, being helpful is all about relationships. You notice that he had good relationships. You know, it's one thing to serve someone. It's another thing to serve someone with a smile, right? It's a game changer, right? When you get your food at Chick-fil-A and they say, it's my pleasure. And you're like, wow, will you come home with me? You're amazing, <laughs> right? You're like, I want some more Christian chicken. This is incredible, right? I mean, it's, it's one thing when they serve you. It's another when they serve you with a smile and they say, it's my pleasure to serve you. You're like, wow, that's so awesome. You know, hey, will you get me some water? Sure. There's your water. I mean, I mean, you did give me the water, but it wasn't really nice. Or you're going to say, what kind of water would you like? This is warm water, but we can also get you some tap water if you'd like. So, you know, what kind of water would you like? Corpus Christi's finest? What kind of water would you like? I mean, so the point is, right, when you serve others, you want to customize it, right? The point is, is that doing it with a good attitude makes a difference. So, so don't just think it's just serving. It's serving with the right attitude, and that's all about relationship. It's about putting others before you. And so Joseph could have said, I'm in prison. He could have started singing, it's a hard knock life. He doesn't do that. <laughs> Instead, he focused on cleaning up the prison, making it better. And he made that like a little paradise. He really he improved the whole situation. In fact, at one point what happens, and I need to speed up the story a little bit, Joseph has a couple new prisoners come in, and he does what he always does. He's like, hi, I'm Joseph. I kind of run things around here, and so here's your little uniforms you get to wear. Sorry about what happened to you, but this is going to be a prison cell. Right, the whole, give him the whole drill. Here's the time is lunch. Here's the time is dinner. Here's when we go out to the yard, whatever. He explains the whole thing. You know, a couple weeks in, these two new prisoners both have dreams the same night. They're both bothered. Joseph notices how people are doing. That's part of his job is to have good relationships. He's like, hey, you guys okay? You look a little down. You know, like, well, we are in prison, but that they'll make you a little down sometimes. He goes, well, what, what's going on? Man, we had these dreams. Really? Both of you had a dream? Oh, the same dream or different dream? Well, I had a dream and he had a different dream. Really? He says, you know, I happen to specialize in dreams. He says, really? He goes, yeah, I actually do. I mean, <laughs> one time I interpreted and kind of got in trouble, but uh, I, can, I can probably interpret your dream. Okay. So one guy says, here's my dream. The other guy says, here's my dream. Joseph says, okay, I know what those dreams mean. 
your dream, I'm sorry to tell you, means in three days you're going to be killed. And it was a really gruesome way he died, by the way. He says, this is how you're going to die, and I'm really sorry. And he goes like, oh, no, no, that can't be happening. He's like, I'm really sorry, that's what your dream means. And the other guy says, here's what your dream means. In three days, the king is going to reinstate you to your position. Sure enough, three days later, both dreams came true. So the guy who gets reinstated to his position, who's close to the king, Joseph tells him on the way out, hey, hey, don't forget me. I'm your boy, right? I'm Joseph. You know, remember, I hooked you up, right? Make sure you let the king know I can clean things up up there too. Oh, yeah, 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 you got it, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, the guy forgets about Joseph. Multiple years pass, and he forgot to tell the king about Joseph. Now, think if you're Joseph, you're like, seriously? I'm working my butt off down here in a prison that I shouldn't even be in because of some crazy lady that accused me of something I didn't do. The only reason I was in her home is because I was a slave because my brothers betrayed me. My dad, who's got all the money in the world, would easily come and buy me back if he even knew I was here. I can't even get a message to him. I mean, his life, I mean, he could have just said, forget this, I'm done with this. But he doesn't do that. He just keeps serving faithfully. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to be faithful when things aren't going well? Everybody can talk big about loving the Lord when everything's going good. But will you stay faithful when things aren't going good? Will you keep praising God? Or those lips have other words to say when things aren't going good? Are we willing to serve God when it's not so nice? Will we worship God the day after the storm like we did the day before the storm? See, that, that's, that's what Joseph did. Now, here's what happens next. A couple years later, the king has a dream. He can't explain his dream. He calls all his advisors and, hey, I had this dream. What do you guys think this means? He explains the whole dream to them, and they're like, yeah, we don't know what that means. He's like, seriously? Why do I pay you guys? Get out of here, right? Runs them all off. Then one of the guys close to the king says, hey, sir, a couple years ago when you were mad at me, you threw me in your prison. He's like, yes, I remember that. He goes, well, there was a guy down there named Joseph. I don't know if he's still there or not, but he interprets dreams. He says, really? I think I know about this guy. Potiphar's friend, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't he? Yeah, that's another story. Okay. Well, he can interpret dreams? Yes, he can. Bring him up here. I would like to hear from him. So Joseph gets his shot. This is like his one moment, right? So he gets cleaned up, gets a fresh set of clothes, fresh shave. He goes before the king, walks right in front of him and says, I have a bone to pick with you. I can't believe I've been trying to get up here for years now. And you forgot about me. I don't know what you're thinking. And that guy probably over there, his wife's a crazy woman. And I can't believe you. And then my dad, my brother sold me. He's like, you're not. He didn't do that. He didn't do any of that. You don't waste an opportunity to tell your sad story. When you get your opportunity, you use your gift. You serve. You make an impact. He shows up, and he could have said all that and more, and it was all of them right. He said, I'm calling Al Sharpton. We're going to pick at this place. I can't believe you did. He didn't do any of that. He got up there and stood before the king and said, how can I help you, sir? What's your name? My name is Joseph. Oh, I had this crazy dream. Yes, sir, I've heard that. I actually interpret dreams. Actually, my God uses me to interpret dreams. He introduced them to his God. He says, so if the Lord allows, if you'll tell me your dream, I'd like to help you. Your greatest opportunity when you get in front of the right people It's not to tell your story. It's to serve them. So Joseph, what does he do? The king says, I got this crazy dream. Here's what happened. I dream about like seven fat cows. I don't know why. And then seven skinny cows, not the kind from H-E-B. And so I don't know what's going on here. (laughs) And then seven skinny cows eat the seven fat cows. I don't know what all that means. And Joseph says, sir, I know what your dream means. I want to give God glory in the front end. Here's what your dream means. Your dream means that you're going to have seven fat years then seven famine years. And the fat years, here's what you should do. Let's pick up in the scripture. 
Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to the Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Wow. Pharaoh's like, okay, first of all, that's amazing. You interpreted my dream when the seven skinny cows ate the seven fat cows. I didn't know that meant years. It means the economy is going to go, you know, to the tank, basically, and we're, we're living on all this good wealth now. We need to save some, right? And so what does the king say? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is, is as intelligent or as wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court. All my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. In one day, in one moment, he goes from being an accused convict in prison to being the chief operating officer of Egypt and saves the entire country, including countries around him, including the very brothers who betrayed him, get saved from Joseph as well. You talk about promotion, that's a promotion. You know, the Bible says in Psalms 56 that God stores up your tears. Every tear you drop, he collects them in a bottle. You know why I believe he does that? Because one day he's going to come back for all the pain, all the things that are unfair to you. And he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to pour blessing on you equal to the pain that you've taken. And I'll do it all at once. I'll bless you so much you won't be recognizable. That's what God will do for you. So what does this mean for you and me today? Number four, bring solutions to people's problems. The larger problems you solve, the larger promotion you will receive. Quit focusing on getting more money. Oh, I just need a raise. No, you don't. You need, you, don't ask for more raise. Bosses hate that. Never ask for more money. Ask for more responsibility. And the money will take care of itself. And so why did he get such a promotion? Because he was willing to take on the greatest need of all of Egypt was, was their national economy. It was about to go to the tank. And he said, hey, store it up. He says, I happen to know a lot about wheat. I know how to store it. I was raised in that. God never takes what you've learned from your past and wastes it. He'll use that in your future. So he says, I happen to know how to do that. I was taught how to do that. So we're just going to store grain on a higher level. I also know how to organize things. I organized Potiphar's house. I'm sure the king looked at Potiphar and was like, is this guy legit? And Potiphar probably reluctantly said, yes, king. He actually does know what he's talking about. Right? So the bottom line is this. God has great things for you. But you've got to get past your story. Don't let your story of what someone did to you or something's happened to you define you any longer. Let God's purpose and your gifts define you. You see, they could steal Joseph's coat. They could steal his freedom. But they couldn't steal his gifts. Everywhere he went, they went with him. You have abilities and talents and gifts. You have the promise of God built inside of you. And no one can take that from you. People may have taken your freedom. People may have taken the choice away you wanted. People may have taken your innocence from you, but they cannot take your future. They cannot take the promise of God in you. They cannot take your talents, your abilities. They cannot take the potential that God has placed in you. Only you can use it or destroy it. It's your choice today. You have an opportunity right now to say, God, I'm not going to focus on what's happened to me any longer. I'm going to focus on my future. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to encourage you today during this prayer time. 
Maybe God's speaking to you today to say, you know what? It's time to change your response. It's time to change your reaction to what's happened to you, what someone's done to you, what someone said about you, the betrayal you went through, the rejection you went through. All those things come down to this. Lord, I'm going to make a choice to let all those things make me better and not bitter. I'm going to let all those things I've gone through make me more focused than ever. Thank you, God. You've brought me this far. Thank you, God. You've stored up in a bottle every tear I've cried, and you're going to bless me in the equal amount or more. Thank you, God. If you did it for Joseph, you'll do it for me. So I'll stay faithful. I'll stay honoring to you. I'll serve others with a smile. Even if there's tears behind that smile, I'll do it, Lord, for your glory. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, in the same way Joseph saved an entire nation, and he even saved the very brothers who betrayed him, Jesus died on the cross for the very people nailing him to the cross. Jesus wants to save you too. The Bible says that he died and rose again from the grave, proving that he is God. History also supports that, by the way. Not just biblical accounts, there's other eyewitness accounts that Jesus rose again from the grave. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you never trusted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you can pray this prayer. You can receive him right now. Would you pray this prayer with me? We're going to say it out loud across all of our campuses. You can just say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. You paid the price for my sins. And you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.